Good morning and welcome back. It's an honor to have you back here with us here in our fourth part of the series, How to Hold God's Hand. Why are we doing this? Because we love you, because we have experienced answers in Jesus Christ and we, he has proved faithful to us over the years. And there are thousands and millions of us all around the world that know his hand personally. I want to introduce him to you and introduce answers to the life problems, questions and struggles that you may face. I know there are many answers all around the world and everybody's got a solution and a remedy. But until you've tried it, we'll never know, right? So this morning, give me a chance to share with you something that might change your life, something that might make you a completely new person. So let's get into it. This is part four of the series. And if you haven't already seen the first three, they're on the website, they're on the, on the app. You can go back on YouTube and uh, find them there. I want to take you to the verse based on which I have uh, come up with the series called How to Hold God's Hand. It's one of my favorite verses in Isaiah chapter 41. Verse 13 says this, For I, the Lord your God, God is speaking, he says, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. Let me do that again. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. Isn't that beautiful? That's just amazing. Let's begin. No one is with you forever. We are all known to each other for a season of our lives. Some more than others. Some come early and leave late. Some come late and leave early. Life is fragile, life is short, and life is fleeting. Many of us, we go on like as if we're going to live forever. <laughs> or that we have our loved ones with us forever. And that, that worries me. And I, and I want to talk about that today. Worse still, some of us push away the thoughts of loneliness or the thoughts of a loss of a loved one. I was saying... I can't even imagine not living with this person. I can't imagine losing this person or that person in my life. So because we don't want to deal with the thought, we don't want to deal with the reality or the, the possibility, we push it away. But people let go. That's the reality. No one is permanent. No life is guaranteed. And you not wanting to think about it, not wanting to prepare for it, isn't helping the issue. You and I, we want to live believing everything's just going to go the way it is. It's always going to be good. Everything's going to be fine. So when people do go, when people do let go by death or divorce or distance, we then spend the rest of our lives blaming either God or them. You don't prepare. You're not fulfilled. You're not complete on your own. You don't deal with the possibility and build and prepare for the eventuality. And when people leave and people do, when people hurt and people do, when people let go, we spend the rest of our life 
either blaming God or blaming them. And we suffer the pain of memories, of regrets and remorse. I wish, if only, had he not said that, had he been more patient, if only she did this, if only she did that. I find an interesting quote from Henry Cloud. He says this, being hurt hurts, but believe it or not, you're actually designed to process it. You were created to go through grief and experience uncomfortable feelings so that you can heal and rise above your pain. For several reasons, we struggle to address it. At a young age, maybe you were told, get over it. Or you were gaslighted in other ways. At some point, you probably thought it was easier to avoid pain. So you tried to self-medicate with bad habits and isolation. That was Henry Cloud. Today, I want to give you yet another prescription for prevention prescription for prevention so you can live life to your fullest and enjoy the people that God has given to you in your life for the different seasons of your life. Before you hear what I'm not saying, let me promise you that I am not trivializing the power and value of people. But I am, however, suggesting that we prioritize the relationships for our mental spiritual and emotional health. Put the right relationships in the right place. Put God in his rightful place. See, it hurts, it aches, and it bleeds when we lose people. You heard me? It's true, isn't it? It hurts, it aches, and it bleeds when we lose people. When they walk away or they're taken away. It's a fact. We love people. We value people. People are dear to us. People are our, are our wealth. When a child is taken away from her mother, when families are torn apart by war or by religion, when loved ones are lost to tragic accidents or to terminal illness, children growing up and leaving home, not needing their parents anymore. Life hurts. People leave for one season or the other, one reason or the other. And all I'm saying, my friend, if you will have the guts to think with me this morning, we might gain more from our relationships if we are better prepared to lose them. We might gain more from our relationships if we are better prepared to lose them. Let me tell you what I'm prescribing today. Plain and simple. This is it. The Bible says, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. The Bible says you created everything and it is for your pleasure they exist and were created. Talking about God. The Bible says God is the one who made all things and all things are for his glory. He wanted to have many children so that he can share his glory with them. Let me tell you the revealed truth 
No one discovers truth. Truth is revealed. The revealed truth is this. You and I, my dear friend, were created by a personal, intelligent, relational, all-wise God who, in our design and function, built us to draw life and meaning from him. I'm going to do this again so that we don't miss this. This is this is the crux of what we're talking about today. And if we get this, then we can move on to the answer. You see what I'm saying? Here's the revealed truth. You and I were created by a personal, relational, intelligent, all wise God who in our design and function, as he created us in our design, built us to draw life from him, to draw meaning from him, from the relationship with him, from doing life with him. We were built for fellowship with him. We were built to live life together with him. We were not built to be separate. We were not built to do life on our own. We were built to draw from him life. Now, let me tell you where the breakdown happened. Here's where it all falls apart. This means that outside of a relationship with God, one would naturally tend to seek meaning, seek love and seek value from people. If you're not going to be in a relationship with God, a living, loving, personal relationship with God, and God is not going to be the life giving force in your life and the priority relationship in your life and the purpose of your life, then you're automatically going to find the things you need. That is love, meaning, security, value. You're going to turn to people for it. And here's the here's the clincher. People are not life givers. People are life recipients. People are not life givers. People are life recipients. One plant can't turn to another plant for watering. One plant can't turn to the, another plant for life. They are dependent on the on the vine keeper. They're dependent on the gardener. So when the critical need of our lives, that is our security, our value, our meaning in life, our purpose in life, when these critical needs of our life are wrapped around another person, a man, a woman, a friend, a loved one, we run the danger of idolizing that person. We become hooked on that person. We become codependent or we lose our self-worth to that person because we say, I can't live without you. I can't, I can't just, I, I just can't live without you. I need love. I need attention. I need, I need. We lose our self-worth in service to this other broken individual and his needs or her needs. Let me put it another way. Let me put it in some questions, perhaps. Do you struggle as an individual? Have the guts to think with me. Do you struggle to make decisions without consulting with one person, a particular person in your life? Do you struggle to make any decisions? Can you, are you not able to move forward without them? Does it make your day or break your day that that person says, does, whatever? Does your life, does your schedule, does your activity revolve around that one demanding person? And you're not free. You're not your own. You are needed. I'm not talking about a sick relative or a dependent child. I'm talking about this demanding, aggressively controlling person in your life 
or someone perhaps that you have given your life to and you're just wrapped around their happiness. I'm going to ask you a few more questions. Is there any negative voice in your life that drowns out one voice that drowns out all the other encouraging, hopeful, positive opinions around you? Everybody's opinion, everybody else's positive opinion seems to not matter anymore once this person shows up or this person has an opinion about it. This one person rules your mind. Are you somehow one who feels the need to be needed constantly? Do you ever say to yourself, if, if something was to ever happen to so-and-so, I would die? Is there a person in your life due to whom you have stopped yourself from taking big steps, dream steps to achieve your dreams, to move, to migrate? He or she talks you out of it. Ah, it's not going to work. You can't do it. No, forget it. Because they want to control the outcome of your life so that you will be there for them. Is there someone who gets angry every time you give attention to someone else's needs, extended family, or loved ones, or colleagues, or needy friends, or the underprivileged. Someone who gets angry when your attention is diverted elsewhere. Perhaps from your end, there's someone whom you're ready to leave everything for in order to please that one person. See, whether they are forcing it on you or you are giving in to them, one way or the other, you are in a dangerous place. No one can ever take the place of God. No one has what God has to give to you to sustain life. Listen, my friend, you were designed that life revolves around God. That's how you were made. You were designed that you find fulfillment and rest in the person of God, in a relationship with God. You say, but Pastor Jeremy, uh, you're just talking about religion and talking about faith in God. I have faith in God. I believe that God is there. Without God, uh, we couldn't be where we are today. We could never accomplish what, I, what we've accomplished today. All for his goodness, all by his grace, by his grace. Maybe you're one of those. Yeah, but you don't know God personally. You're not in a relationship with God. God created you and he gave you relationships, which means he's a relational God, which means he wants you in a relationship with him, which means outside of a relationship with him, you look to all the other relationships from people who are not life givers, but life recipients, and you will constantly be lacking, hungry, hurting, empty. When we replace God with any other person, we can never adequately prepare for the loss of a loved one. Whether in death or separation, we will never be prepared to lose somebody if our whole life is wrapped around them. Here it is. God has called us to first and foremost be complete in him. God has called you, wants you to be whole, W-H-O-L-E, complete with him, in him. You and him is all you need. My friends, death is certain. Separation is probable, but Jesus is alive forevermore. Jesus is permanent. When you are complete in God, when you are whole in God, full, complete, as, it, as he planned and designed you to be, then you are able to enjoy the relationships 
that God gives to you. Value the relationships God gives to you in season and out of season, for a season and beyond a season. You are able to enjoy the people that God gives to you. You're saying to me, but, uh, but Pastor Jeremy, you, you're saying that we don't need people and uh, we, we're not meant to give ourselves to people. We're not, we're not, aren't we meant to, to serve people? You're not, you're not listening to me. Let me put it this way. It's not about self-denial. It's about self-surrender. We give ourselves to God because we were designed for his pleasure. God created you so that he may enjoy you, so that he may find joy in you. Are you with me? Stick with me. Stick with me. God created you so he may find joy in you, so he may love on you, he may fill you, he may feed you, he may perfect you. And when you are given completely to him, you say, but what about other people? Listen, when you are given completely to him, when you surrender yourself completely to him, don't share yourself between you and people, with, between God and people. When you give yourself completely to him, here's the difference between God and people. Are you listening to me? Here's the difference between God and people. When you give yourself to people, people consume you. And that's the end of you. When you give yourself to God, God comes through you. So when you give yourself to God, he enjoys you. And then through you, other people get God. When you are completely given to God, other people in your life are completely recipient of God through your life. So it is his love, his patience, his strength, his wisdom, his understanding, his support, his knowledge, his wisdom that flows through you who has completely enjoyed him and is completely dependent on him and plugged into him for every need in your life. And as you enjoy him, he pours through you life giving strength to the people in you. So would you rather give yourself and spread yourself thin among people and never be enough? Or would you rather give yourself completely to God, be completely whole and sustained in him and then be the source of life, godliness, fun and pleasure and hope to everyone around you with a perennial life giving source in God himself? Worth thinking about it, isn't it? Death is certain, separation is probable, but Jesus is alive forevermore. I have much more for you. Good stuff, healing stuff. Listen to this song as you allow the Spirit of God to, to convince you and to take you to the next level of what we're talking about today. Just listen to the song. I'll be back in a second. Darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know No, I won't be shaken Oh, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when Stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Oh, shame no longer has a place to hide. 
Today we're talking about how to hold God's hand as others let go. King David, who reigned over Israel from the year 970 to 1010 BC, he was known for his relationship with God and he, he faced incredible uh, opposition and losses and he saw a lot of blessing. I want to look at his life. I want to look at how he viewed his relationship with God. The Bible talks about it and he is author of uh, a bulk of the Psalms that we read. And this is one of them, Psalm 23. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You see that? It's on your screen. My shepherd. I shall not want. That's an old English phrase for I will not be found wanting. I will not be found in need. So when he's my shepherd, he meets my needs. The first thing I learned from David is he defined his life by whom he belonged to. The Lord is my shepherd. 
The Lord is my shepherd. The needs came later. The belonging comes first. When you know who you belong to, the person you belong to will sustain your needs. He defined his life by whom he belonged to. Verse 2 says, he makes me, underline makes me, lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, quiet waters. He restores my soul. The second thing I learned from David is he enjoyed God's care for his basic human needs. He was not ashamed to say, I need, I, I, I need quietness. I need to be fixed. I need to be comforted. I need to be cared for. I need to be restored. I have needs and I'm going to go to God for it. He says he makes me lie down in green pastures. God's doing that. He leads me beside still waters. God's doing that. He restores my soul. God is doing that. That much of activity in God's life. How can you not be blessed? In that same verse, he says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The third thing I learned from David is he subscribed to God's purpose for his life rather than a career purpose, an economic purpose, a relational purpose, a filial purpose, an emotional purpose. He subscribed to God's purpose for his life. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I walk the walk in my life. I go the direction in my life. I choose the directions of my life based on his leading. He leads me. He's my shepherd. The fourth thing I learned from David is he faced life's greatest challenges, uncertain losses and hardships with this one assurance. Let me repeat that. The fourth thing I learned from David is he faced life's greatest challenges, uncertain losses and hardships with this one assurance. Look at those words, verse four, even though, even though he knew the uncertainty of life, he knew that he was not inoculated, he was not vaccinated, he was not exempt from the hardships of life. He knew that he embraced the goodness of God along with the badness of life, the difficulties of life, even though. Even if it comes to the position, even if I have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to fear. I will fear no evil upon me. Why? Why? Not only do I belong to you, I'm also with you. He says, for you are with me. For you are with me. What comes of God's presence with you? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, if you're a shepherd or you, you learn the language of shepherds, you know that the shepherd has these two things. The rod is to break the bones of the sheep so that he might heal the sheep so that he may mend the sheep. The rod is for correction. The staff has a hook on the other end so he can keep the sheep in line. He can keep the sheep in line. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know you're with me. I'm not going to fear any evil because you will correct my ways and you'll keep me on the right track. You keep me secure. And he says, he uses the word comfort, not teach. He uses the word comfort. Because when you're going through pain, you don't need an answer. You don't need a reason. You need a comforter. When you're going through pain, when you're going through loss, when you're going through grief, you don't need answers. You don't need reasons. You need a comforter. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A fifth thing I learned from David is he looked to God for success and for security. Here's one of the greatest professionals who ever lived, one of the most successful professionals who ever lived. Yet he looked to God for success and security. Verse five says, you prepare a table 
I, I, you, I feast in front of my enemies. <laughs> he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You let them see that I am sustained. I'm sustained by a higher force. I'm provided by a higher force. I'm backed up by a higher force. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then he says, you anoint my head with oil. That means... There are two understandings to that. There are two meanings to that. Either anointing head with oil means you empower me. You position me for greatness. You anoint me for a, for, for, with authority for, for a position, for a task. Or anointing with oil, your head with oil could also mean medicine or healing. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my nets and you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. My cup overflows. That's the success he's talking about. He looked to God for success and for security, no matter what came against him. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow, even if my enemies are around, I'll feast in front of them, he says. The last thing I learned from David, from that last verse, verse six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, circle all the days, circle of my life. Okay, you got that? So there are the days of my life. Uh, later on in Psalms, uh, I can't remember the Psalm, but what a beautiful Psalm. He says, teach me to number my days that I may present to him to God a heart of wisdom. Those are David's words as well. Teach me to number my days that I may present to God a heart of wisdom. So he says, uh, surely goodness and mercy. So surely goodness and surely mercy are going to be following me. That's you. Some of you call it luck and chance. Well, good luck with that. But God follows you with goodness and mercy. And these two follow you because you follow God. So I'm hedged by the presence of God ahead of me and the goodness of God behind me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. How many days? All of the days of this life. So while I'm living my life here on earth, his goodness and mercy will follow me. And then I shall dwell in the house, in the presence, in the glory, in the confidence, in the wonderful eternal bliss of God's own presence forever and ever and ever. So here on earth, all of my days, I will live followed by surely goodness and mercy, right? And in heaven, I will live in his presence forever and ever in the glory and the majesty and the peace and the joy of his presence. So all of my life, in his presence. All of my eternity, in his presence. All of my days, dwell with him forever and ever. And that is what God is calling you to. That is the secret, that is the crux of a relationship with God. Let's conclude. Let's close this. You are needed for greater things. You're needed for weaker people, bigger needs, longer valleys. You can't afford your life to be wrapped around unnecessary people. You can't afford your days and your words and your thoughts to be held hostage by self-serving, self-loving people who are not going to change. My friend, there is a world that needs you. My brother and sister, there is a commission on your life. And God has a plan to use you, not to abuse you, to use you. Remember what I told you. When you come to God and you wrap your life around him, when your relationship with God becomes your life source and you give yourself so God enjoys you and you live for the purpose for which you were made, which is to be enjoyed by God, 
then God flows you to be a blessing, a strength and a comfort to many, many in your life. But first, he must free you from the dependencies and the defending ways of your life. First, he needs to free you from your dependencies and from your defending ways. You know how the way you defend yourself. You don't need a sadhu with all the answers. You need a shepherd. You need a savior who will be your advocate. There are answers. There are answers to life's toughest questions. But I'm here to tell you, they're not one-liners, explanations. Those answers aren't reasons and remedies. The answer is a person. Did you get that, my friend? You're looking for answers for the big questions in your life. There are answers. But it's not in a book. It's not with a sadhu. It's not in life's experiences. It's in a person. You can only get by with so many one-liners and proverbs for life. And there are reasons and remedies, but they will never satisfy you because you were made not for knowledge, but for intimacy with God. The answer is a person. And Jesus says, it's him. I didn't say it. Jesus says. You say, but what about all other religions? What about other faiths? What about, uh, you know, what other people believe? I don't know about that. All I know is only Jesus has offered what I just talked about. So for me, if the first key opens the door, I don't waste my time trying all the other keys. And until you take that person by the hand, until you use that key, until you walk through that door, you won't know that this is true. This is what Jesus says. Come to me, all of you who are tired and have a heavy load, and I will give you rest. Only he offers that. Come to me, all of you who are tired and have a heavy load. I will give you rest. When he says it, he means it. And there are a few million people to back it up. Jesus also said, I have come to give you life, not suck life out of you. I have come to give you life, life to the fullest. So let me close with this. Jesus promises to fulfill your deepest longings. He knows your history. He knows your memories. He knows your brokenness. He is able to forgive you. He is able to mend, to restore, to rebuild. He made you in the first place. He knows your original design. He can take you back to innocence. He can take you back to your original design. No one knows you like he does. And his heart aches with you in some, in some cases to watch you adamantly define your own life and purpose. The heart of God aches to watch you try and do it on your own. Come back. He promises to come in, if you receive him, to rebuild your broken world. To secure your broken walls. 
even save you from hell. Jesus not only gives you good ideas on how to live. He not only gives you the strength to face your, your difficulties. He saves you from hell. Now tell me, if he has the power and the ability to save you from hell after death, can he not save you from hell on earth? Don't you think he can save you from what you're going through? Give Jesus a chance. In your life, give Jesus a chance. Give it a try. Taste and see for yourself. We never end a sermon. We never end a message from God without making some commitments. And I don't know if you're ready to make a commitment right now. Maybe I've blown your mind and you're just thinking through this. Maybe I've bored you to death. Maybe I've, I'm talking to you at the wrong time in your life and the lights are not on yet. They will come on soon sometime. But if you're ready to make a commitment, here's what you need to say. What should I believe? I must believe that Jesus came from me. It's on your screen. Take it down mentally, write it down. And if you write to me, I'll write these out for you. I must believe that Jesus came for me. I must believe that he died to set me free. I must believe that he is alive in heaven right now and he advocates for me. He's not a sadhu with answers. He's a savior who advocates. He's alive in heaven and he is advocating for me. Someone who understands what I'm going through and is crying out for me, fighting for me. What should I focus on as I live my life, as I go through every day of my life, wake up in the morning, go to sleep at night? What should I focus my thoughts on? I must focus my thoughts on who I am to God and give him the due place in my life. I must decidedly focus on who I am to God and give him the due place in my life. Decide today who God's going to be to you and who you're going to be to God. Let me give you one more commitment you can make today. What action should I take? I will make a habit of being available to God. You know what it's like to be available to people. You know how you make yourself available. I will make a habit of being available to God for him to find joy in me. Feed me, instruct me, use me for his glory. No more living for myself or for anybody else. I'm going to live for him. I want to make a habit of giving myself to him. Remember what I told you? It's when you give yourself wholly to God and allow him to enjoy you, he then flows through you so that others can enjoy you. And you never feel used and abused. My mind goes back to a beautiful song I learned when I was, I was a child. Put your hand in the hand of the man who stilled the waters. Put your hand in the hand of the man who calmed the seas. Take a look at yourself and then you can look at others differently. Put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee as Jesus. I'm not going to say a prayer of commitment right now because I'm pretty sure you need to think about it. I'm not going to force you or manipulate you into any commitment to believe in Jesus, follow Jesus. But I can urge you to do so. And if and when you do, would you write a message to me on the, uh, to the WhatsApp number or the email address and tell me, Pastor Jeremy, I have decided to put my faith in Jesus. I've decided that he is my savior. He died for me and that he is alive in heaven for me today. That I want him to enjoy me so that people can enjoy him through me. This is my commitment today.
and I'm going to live for why he designed me, not for people who demand from me. Today your healing begins. Start with a commitment, start with a prayer, and we are here for you. We are here for you. God bless. Jeremy Dawson and if you liked what you just saw if it was a blessing then hit the subscribe button come on you can do it hit the subscribe button uh, hit the bell so that we know you want to hear from us lots of videos coming your way songs worship encouragement come on subscribe let's take this forward and share with somebody you might know write a comment in the section below but let's see you guys again come on subscribe <laughs>